Kessler and this is Founder Coffee. Every two weeks I have coffee with a different founder. We discuss life, passions, learnings in an intimate talk, getting to know the person behind the company. For this 13th episode, I talked to Guilherme Lopez, co-founder of RD Station, South America's leading marketing automation software. Guilherme and his four co-founders have been building apps since 2005, operating from a city in the south of Brazil. And in 2011, they saw a gap in the South American market and started building RD Station. A product manager by background, Guilherme quickly assumed the customer success role within the company and is now leading a team of over 200 people. We have an interesting talk about personas, how to do good customer success, and how to build great teams and structure. Welcome to Founder Coffee. Hi, Guilherme. Great to have you on Founder Coffee. Hi, Jeroen. Great to, to be here with you today. You're, you're founder of uh, RD Station. Um, I think RD Station is mostly very popular in Brazil, uh, also in Portuguese, uh, Resultados Digitais, right? RD? Yeah, exactly. For, for, for those who don't know what RD Station does, what, what do you guys focus on? Well, RD Station is a marketing automation platform. So it's similar to other products like HubSpot, Marketo, mm-hmm. they're out there. But we are we we focus on SMBs from emerging markets. So yeah. we lead the Latin American market, and also we we getting getting started in some other countries like Spain and Portugal as well. Mm-hmm. And okay, what so- it does, like any other marketing automation platform, is to help companies to acquire customers online mm-hmm. and, and grow their business doing that and 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 it does so by offering the customer ways to convert their audience and into leads mm-hmm. with things like landing pages forms pop-ups and then helps customers to uh, start a relationship with those leads with email marketing automation workflows, helps customer qualifying leads with mm-hmm. lead scoring and others, uh, segmentation and other kind of features and connect that with the, the sales funnel. So it connects with the CRM, helps the, the sales guy understand what happened during the marketing cycle of that a particular lead. And that ultimately is help companies sell more uh, yeah. over their, their online channels. Yeah, so it's really about helping marketers to to generate leads for and hand them over to salespeople, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. more and leads, you, less, uh, uh, shorten the sales cycle, automate part of it. That, yeah, that's. and you mentioned it's, it's specifically built for specific markets. Uh, what makes it better for, for instance, a Latin American market or Spain or... Uh, what, what makes RD Station different there? That, that's a great question. First, we've uh, we've started here, so we know better the market and their needs, mm-hmm. and we know that the maturity level of the market here in, in Latin America and other emerging countries is different from from what we see in in the US or Europe. And what they need is first more service. So mm-hmm. we have a uh, better layer of customer success, professional service, and also very strong partnership program 
with marketing agencies that, that can offer uh, good service at a reasonable price for our customers. They need reasonable price. So we have a, a price that is much lower than, than our competitors. Mm-hmm. And they need need they also need a simpler solution. So our solution, we we try to offer everything a platform should offer, like all those features I, I talked earlier, but still uh, present that in a simpler uh, way for the customers to understand what they need to, to do. So different maturity level, different uh, needs, different pocket. And we think we have uh, the, the right solution, the perfect solution that uh, glues all of that uh, all uh, different solutions for all those different needs uh, in a specific way for emerging markets. Yeah. C- can you give a specific example perhaps on how you make uh, certain features more accessible than another marketing automation software? First of all, we have less features, mm-hmm. which is good. Less complexity, for instance, um uh, on a more complex or robust company, you can have multiple funnels uh, for different kind of projects, uh, products, or personas. We have only one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some some company, will will see that like uh, limitation, maybe uh, bigger companies. But it helps our software uh, become simpler for the ones that are still starting, are are just starting and this inbound marketing and online marketing uh, mm-hmm. space. Yeah. So how did RD Station come about? Uh, what did you do previous to RD Station? Well, um, we have five founders actually, mm-hmm. and we, we all had worked together uh, before in 2005 in a company that used to build mobile apps uh, at a time when we we didn't have the iPhone yet. Yeah. So we tried to thrive in this industry building mobile apps. We're using Java programming language for those featured phones. Probably it wasn't the right timing and we failed because of that. It didn't mm-hmm. work. But we managed to to get some attention from from the Brazilian market and the Latin American market, doing inbound marketing uh, using inbound marketing techniques. Yeah, we we are from south of Brazil, so it's not a big city. It's a small capital in in south of Brazil, mm-hmm. and most of the, the bigger brands and co- big companies are concentrated in Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. And we managed to get their attention using writing account and having a blog, um, having a way to to manage the relationship with the leads we were generating and all of that stuff. And later, the five of, of us were working together in that company, but we started different ventures because it didn't work. And again, mm-hmm. every one of us failed in our New ventures. I, for instance, uh, tried to launch a company to to build television apps, 
Mm-hmm. That also didn't didn't work quite well. What does that mean? Television uh, apps. Television apps as when you uh, you you don't even know that's why it didn't work because when you turn on your TV, there's some uh, uh, apps like yeah. The most simple one would be the 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 guide, the channel yeah, yeah. guide, right? Mm-hmm. But you can build apps on on those platforms, like. Mm-hmm. And, and even connect to the internet or social networks and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but that didn't work because now everybody uses Netflix and they use that on their iPads, which is full, fully with yeah. a lot of different apps. So, uh, wrong timing again. But again, yeah. we I could I, I managed to, to grab attention to get some attention from bigger brands and big companies at the time, like. Sony, like uh, Sky, different uh, broadcasters. Yeah. Again, doing inbound marketing content, lead generation, and and then we got together again. I mean, the, the five guys that had worked previously in that mobile apps company, mm-hmm. and decided that we were starting ventures and trying to to create uh, successful startups. That didn't work quite well because of different reasons, maybe timing, maybe the quality of what we were selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on all of those different startups, one thing that had worked quite well was the kind of market uh, we were doing. We the marketing we were doing, and the marketing was was related to that. Was mm-hmm. was had this mindset of of creating a, a unique funnel. That integrates marketing funnel and sales funnel, uh, get growth uh, audience using content and inbound marketing techniques, uh, create uh, segmented workflows and email marketing campaigns. Mm-hmm. That was working. That was working. And at the time, at the time, HubSpot was the wasn't the, the the number one platform because at the time Arcado was bigger. I think Eloqua was was bigger as well at mm-hmm. the time. But they were growing pretty fast and and had a more innovative mind and way of thinking. And we actually thought of uh, reselling uh, HubSpot and and becoming a partner. Our mm-hmm. CEO Eric actually approached them with uh, uh, asking of that. Mm-hmm. And they they told it they weren't looking at the Brazilian market yet, so they weren't interested. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he decided to to build our own pr- product, build our own version of a of a inbound marketing platform, which would be better than Marketo, better than Lockwood, better than Hubs- HubSpot, and and especially more uh, adapted to the market we were in here yeah so and he sold that idea to all of us that worked together in, the, in that previous company and mm-hmm. we ultimately left our jobs i i worked like i was an engineer i am an engineer or mm-hmm. it used to be i don't know <laughs> yeah and and i had a well-paying job. I was product manager trying to run this this television apps division. And we literally let 
uh, our paychecks or salary behind and start living over our savings to fully commit to the to the company since the day one yeah the year and that was really really important it was was a differentiator on making uh this company very successful not only a very good team that had worked pre- uh, uh, together in the past successfully without uh fighting each other and because that's also a, a common cause for for startups to fail as when when partners don't get along mm-hmm. with each other so we had that proved in the past we were already a great team and we were fully committed to the bones to have no salary to work uh 24/7 on that new venture That was yeah. really important beginning. How long did you work without salary? Almost two years, I think. Two years? Almost. One wow. year and a half. We we actually started paying ourselves like symbolic money. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't pay f- for the rent or half of the rent. So we spent our savings for one and a half year, almost our, our personal savings. Mm-hmm. And... And then was when we got the first round of investment, which was actually a, um, an angel investment. One year and a half later, I think we we decided to start paying us uh, some money yeah. uh, to help with the the bills. Yeah. When when was it that you started again? How many years ago? We started uh, at the beginning of 2011, so seven mm-hmm. years ago. Okay. So you're you're in it now for for about seven years. Um, for about seven years. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and we, I like to think, of course, that we've been pretty successful uh, so far. We grow from non-employees to 600 employees. Wow! And now, zero customers to twelve thousand customers, bank mm-hmm. customers. And, and as a comparison, how big is HubSpot? I think they have about thirty thousand customers and twelve hundred employees, or maybe two thousand employees, something like that. I I haven't yeah. checked the numbers lately, so. But I think okay. they're they about the size. Yeah. But they have a, a, a much bigger revenue. Mm-hmm. So we crossed the, the Terra Million AR uh, recently. And so usually when you, when you think of a company of 600 employees, you think of company uh, with much more revenue than that. But since we were a Brazilian company and one of our differentiator as as the price point and we are selling in our currents or the currents we we have in latin america and those currents are much weaker cheaper than us dollars mm-hmm. uh we have less revenue uh, when we think of dollars uh still uh we have less cost because everything costs less and we also pay our employees and everything else on that currency mm-hmm. so the The math adds up and yeah. it, it works really great. 
So let's say if you, if you would be going to the US and start competing with HubSpot uh, head on head, then it, your cost structure would, would allow for much lower prices. Yeah, but also uh, we would have to increase our cost of acquisition, I don't know, by 10 times. They probably have a cost of acquisition 10 times uh, uh, bigger than ours. Mm-hmm. And that's our differentiator. We do not plan to go into the U.S. Mm-hmm. We are not planning to compete with those established inbound marketing platforms you have there. And because that's our differentiator. We have mm-hmm. uh, a much lower cost of acquisition because of the kind of, of market we do and because of the, uh, the maturity level we found in those countries. Mm-hmm. And so the whole company is optimized to work on emerging markets. And on the other hand, there's uh, like HubSpot or others uh, don't work really well here. For instance, if you look at Salesforce, they haven't really got a big chunk of the market uh, here in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have more than 90% of the companies that don't use CRMs. And among the 10% that use, uh, you, you have huge competition among Salesforce, uh, Dynamics, and and other smaller CRMs like Pipedrive and mm-hmm. other Brazilian solutions. So, and the problem is for those those big brands, they optimize their machines, their acquisition machines, their retention machines for the uh, for the U.S. market, for bigger bigger brands, for bigger companies, and. Those things doesn't translate uh, to the emerging market. So when you got here with a cost of acquisition of, I don't know, $5,000, $10,000, even more sometimes, uh, you have to have a a really high price uh, price point and really high retention rates and um, really high profitability. And... And all of that doesn't uh, work well when you have uh, a market when usually companies have much less maturity and depend more on services. So the the whole model has to change. That's why we, I think, we would fail competing that with them at least mm-hmm. in the term. Uh, and and those big markets and and they will also fail competing with us in this uh in this emerging market yeah got it so so your ambition is to to stay strong at at the emerging markets uh and to grow from there or uh yeah yeah exactly uh our our ambition is to solve the needs for SMBs in, in Latin America, first and yeah. foremost. Okay. So SMBs uh, uh, in Latin, SMBs per se are different animal, it's mm-hmm. different animal and, and in Latin America, it's another animal. Yeah. And we are focused on, on those companies. Yeah. And we want to make them uh, very, really successful with, uh, with our solution. Cool. What is it? What is it that you do personally at RD Station? I I run the the customer success department. Mm-hmm. As I said in the beginning, 
I used to be an engineer, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, uh, and I thought that I think uh, like every other young engineer that starts a company that you will write a couple of line of codes, publish your software online, and get rich. <laughs> I thought it would work like that, but it didn't. And when we launched our software, and we we were really successful uh, uh, on a sales perspective, we sold mm-hmm. like 20 accounts in one month, and that was like big win for us. We celebrate that, like, uh, uh, but even though we are selling like 600, 700 or more accounts right now, that was a big win for us. Yeah. But then, then we discovered that customers, and especially in the SaaS world, in the SaaS business model, we discovered that company the companies could pay for one month and not for the other. Mm-hmm. That was hard <laughs> yeah. and we discovered that they used to call that thing churn mm-hmm. and also at the time it was uh, 2012 I think at the time we we always tried to look at the Silicon Valley what they, they were studying what were the latest technology and we saw that they were all talking about this new thing called customer success mm-hmm. and customer success is not that of a new thing as basically post-sales reinvented in a new discipline. Of course, there are, there are uh, new concepts over that. Mm-hmm. And, and and my first impression was, was exactly that. Like, they're trying to come up with a better name for support. And I was skeptical at first, especially when, when my partner... Uh, and CEO asked me, I think you should start this customer success department here at RD and, and help our customers be successful. I, I was skeptical. I was mm-hmm. an engineer. I used to, to build products. Uh, but then I started studying, studying, studying. It, it, it has already six years. And I started as a customer success manager that does all sorts of things for customers at the beginning. So I, I was this big team of one person at the mm-hmm. beginning. And now the customer success team has uh, more than 200, uh, 200 people. Yeah. So and, it's one third know, of the company then. One third of the company. So yeah. as I said in the beginning, they, uh, that's part of, of, of the way we work with, with our customers. So we, we, we want to be close to them we want to serve them even though we are not charging for for services sometimes mm-hmm. but we, we we decided that we want to help them to overcome their their problems with knowledge maturity and resources and so right now customer success the customer success department comprehends the whole whole sales operation and that includes professional services which is basically post mostly uh, implementation services, onboarding services. And then mm-hmm. we have a team dedicated to support and support is, is quick, reactive support, supporting the customers, break and fix, uh, uh, usage um, dots and, and, and things uh, that one can solve quickly using chat, phone, or email. 
-hmm. And we have the customer success management team. Uh, and they help the customers through uh, throughout their life cycle after the onboarding period uh, and help them manage their plans towards the success, the success plans, and help them then not get sidetracked and overcome all obstacles and are the most important point of contact inside the company for, for the customer. Yeah. So, so we have these three different disciplines inside the customer success the different departments inside of customer success department uh, here at RD. Yeah. Are all five co-founders engineers or? No, uh, four. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Company of engineers. Uh, yeah. and, and one guy that worked with business administration. Mm-hmm. That that guy is uh, Andreas. She she he actually start ran the the marketing department for for a while, mm -hmm. and he still leads the the management uh, uh, team of the marketing team. Mm -hmm. And all the other four for engineers, and we basically one of them, Bruno, uh, became the CTO of the company. Mm -hmm. So he runs all the engineering. Uh, Eric, also engineer, is the CEO. I'm in the customer success, marketing for Andre. And, and Pedro, the fifth founder, uh, work as engineer in, in, with, Bruno's, yeah. with, uh, with Bruno's team. Yeah. And of all the engineers, why do you think you were the one that was uh, chosen to or decided to lead the customer success department? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I used to to do like uh, to do product management, mm -hmm. so uh, build the requirements, uh, the specs, uh, design what our our product would be. And at the beginning, we had to pay for our bills, so we started selling services, consultant uh, consultancy services, mm -hmm. and. But we were afraid of becoming a service company. We yeah. we had walked that path uh, uh, previously, and it didn't work well. We tried to build products, and we went at like software house or service company, and those kind of uh, companies don't scale very well. Mm -hmm. We we desperately wanted to create a product that would uh, scale. So our approach our way to sell services and provide services and still uh, connect that with building a, a strong product was we were selling uh, marketing services to companies and trying to mm -hmm. understand their needs. And we would translate their needs uh, into a product. So we would, for instance, create a landing page for them I don't know, using, using WordPress and coding the landing page. And we use uh, email, uh, send email marketing campaigns using uh, APIs to, to send the, the email marketing and showing dashboards that we would build on, on Excel or 
anything like that. And if the mm-hmm. customers saw some value on that, that were were uh, would be a, a green light for us to build that feature inside of software. Yeah. After okay. we after we built it, we would uh, distribute for free for those customers and ask for them try it, see if you like it, give me some feedback. So mm-hmm. we were using those services to understand the customers to actually do the customer development. Mm-hmm. And I got involved in that because of that, because I was fine creating the, the, the requisites, the what our software would be. So I started getting uh, involved in, with services and customers and mm-hmm. services and customers. And when it got the time for someone to help customers to overcome these challenges and, and become successful using our platform, uh, I was the one that w- were most uh, more prepared yeah. and, and had more more knowledge about that at the time. Yeah. Are, 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 are uh, customer success and product management still one department at RD Station? Have they split up and how do they work together if they have split up? No, we, we split up a long time ago. Actually, at the time, I fully moved to, to customer success and we created a committee to, to come up with ideas for and, and specs for the product. Mm-hmm. But later on, it became part of the engineering product, and now it, they split it again between engineer and product. Yeah, and this committee you're talking about, who who is on the committee? At at the beginning, uh, the product, the engineer guy, which is, was Bruno, me, the, mm-hmm. the customer success guy, and the marketing, Andre, because. We were selling several marketing product. Yeah, got it. So you you actually at the RD station also involve marketing in product decisions. Sure, we uh, actually we, we for a long time, for a long period, we were our most advanced customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. As, as That's the, good. Well, as people like to say, we we eat our own dog food. Yeah. Nowadays, we we can't uh, use ourselves anymore, like uh, a customer model, uh, uh, the perfect persona, because in some ways we outgrow uh, what our customers are, what Mm -hmm. the, the customer persona is, because they have different needs. We already. Uh, our big company and and that does not necessarily translate to what our customers need. But at the beginning, we were exactly that, Uh, uh, an SMB from the emerging market trying to be successful using an inbound marketing platform. So Mm -hmm. yes, marketing had big say in the product and, and still has. Yeah. So if you, if you moved from being your own persona to not being it anymore, how did that change the way you guys work? Well, uh, this basically changed the way the product team works. 
Mm-hmm. So when they will think of building a new feature or improving a certain feature, uh, the first thing they used to do was going to the market uh, marketing team and asking them their pain points, how are they using, uh, their feedback, all of that stuff. And nowadays, they still do that, but more like a recommendation. Yeah. What they do is to interview uh, uh, a set of customers that better represents the, the most common persona we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So, cool. Yeah, what is what is your focus exactly right now within the customer success department? Like, how do you how do you spend your days? How do you go about growing things? Or, uh, well, I have, uh, like, our company has, but I have big big challenge, and uh, my department has a big big challenge, which is. Uh, growth of retention rates and expansion rates uh, for a product that is relatively complex and mm-hmm. you're selling to SMBs. When you think of that equation, you think of churn. Mm-hmm. And you, you wouldn't sell a complex software for SMB and expect a very good adoption and retention rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, we want to overcome the challenge with a very well-instrumented uh, customer lifecycle that we try to, to map to go along with what we call uh, uh, educational methodology. Mm-hmm. So our customers need more knowledge. The more they know, the more they will use our software. Uh, the more they know, the less resource they would they need to uh, to perform, to carry on the day, the, mm-hmm. the task they need in the involved market. And so we created this, this methodology we call the growth machine methodology. And we have all those different success milestones. So we have the success milestone one is trying your first lead generation campaign. And your success milestone two is starting uh, to getting real related uh, a relationship with your leads and three mm-hmm. create a content plan and so on. So we, we divide it into different steps based on the maturity level of the customer. And we try to, uh, to tie that together into the customer life cycle. For instance, success yeah. milestone one is what we try to achieve during the onboarding period. And so we sell uh, onboarding service, onboarding package uh, tied to that. And after that, DCSM will help uh, uh, the the customer to follow the path and overcome each one of those different milestones. And, and we also would create a lot of content uh, organized around that methodology. So we think that with a very strong methodology, educational content, good educational content. That's why we, we created um, a university. We called RD University. And mm-hmm. we not only we are not only producing content to our customers, but also to the market, to, to our leads and potential future customers. And with a, a well-orchestrated uh, customer lifecycle where we will, will offer implementation specialists, customer success managers, support, everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
different specialists for different needs at different stages of the life cycle, still we need to instrument all of that so they can have a, uh, only one conversation, only one flow with the customers and not getting the customer confused or making the customer re repeat the, the words every time mm -hmm. they would talk to someone. Yeah. And uh, orchestrating all of that together, we can create a success machine that will uh, accelerate the potential growth, the potential of success of these kind of companies we, we were selling to. Yeah. To SMBs from the emerging markets. Mm -hmm. And that per se is a normal big challenge. But we, we've had some, uh, some success so far and we are still improving. Yeah. So what are some, some things that currently you spend most time on, like concretely? Concretely, uh, I spend a lot of time uh, helping the implementation team to fine-tune the tasks of the implementation so that mm -hmm. uh, they will not like delivering a project that is not tied to the to the overall goal to the long-term plan mm -hmm. so we need to to tie those things together then i spend time with the customer success management team to help them receive the customer offer the implementation and have and and create a very strict um operational methodology where they will uh, accelerate customer growth customer success Yeah. through orchestrated touch points and proactive touch points. Mm -hmm. We work at, with SMBs. With, so it's a high volume operation. I can't rely, we can't rely on the customer success manager talent itself to understand customer needs, problem, translate that into a plan and help customers sticking to the plan. So I need to instrument systems to show um, warnings and alerts to those CSMs, and they will, and and they need to be able to quickly understand what is going on in a couple of minutes. Call customers, and and be well trained using our methodology to help customers understand what is the best next logical step for them to take and mm -hmm. come up with some uh, some tactics to for them to do that and they need they need to do that at scale so they need to do that and one hour call other customers and call another one and call another one mm -hmm. and and building this this operation is something uh, really hard you need yeah. very good systems in place you need very good Uh, process dashboards, individual dashboards, performance review, individual coaching, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I spend most of the time with uh, thinking of how to translate this strategy to the tactical and working with the leaders of each team um, to to operationalize, to orchestrate all of that. Yeah. Sounds like a huge challenge. 
Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a good thing I'm an engineer. I think this is a way I think of customer success with an engineer in mind. <laughs> yeah, with a process mindset. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you work, uh, I mean, what, what kind of hours do you do at RD Station? What kind of what, sorry? Hours, like from when to when? Uh, well, I'm a, a big fan of routines. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see myself as a disciplined guy. Mm-hmm. But I, that's why I'm a big fan of routines, because when I put in place a, a strict routine, it helps me to get more focused, energized, uh, throughout the day and, and and deliver more in the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. And that means not only being disciplined about how many hours you will work on, on what you will work, but you also need to be disciplined about your free time, mm-hmm. about your reading time, about your praying or, or your meditation time, about the time you spend your, with your family. Because without those things, you will become an unbalanced professional. And and an unbalanced professional, an unbalanced person cannot uh, deliver exceptional results. Mm -hmm. So in terms of hours, I usually uh, uh, wake up at 6, shower, meditate. Yeah. First thing I did. And I get some eggs, a nice couple of coffee, and I start working uh, from home. Mm-hmm. I try to not step into the office until noon. Okay. Uh, because I'm, I'm much more productive. I use, try to spare the time like uh, for the maker's time, where mm-hmm. I work on projects, where I work on the most important objective of the day. And I try to finish the most important object of the day uh, until 10 mm-hmm. at most or 11. And then I go to the office. And my afternoons are full, usually fully booked with meetings. So I have like five meetings in a row in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. And when you have a, a 600 company and you are a founder, you are a founder, you know a lot of how things work. Not, nah. You don't have necessarily everything well documented and, and instrumented. So, uh, my phone was ringing, sorry. No worries. <laughs> and, and so people tend to uh, come up... Uh, to you to ask them things and I try to uh, not having um, uh, quick chats or a chat that we will have with everyone that steps up in your in your office mm-hmm. uh, every 15 minutes so I try to schedule even if it's 20 minute uh, 20 minute meeting and and on that I try to to Every meeting has to have an agenda and an objective. And with that in mind, 
I, I will do meetings usually with the leaders of my team. So mm-hmm. uh, I have right now eight direct reports and also with my peers. So other executives from the company, but also what uh, uh, with any other kind of, of person inside our team, we do uh, often do this skip level meetings. I uh, will do uh, talks because provided that they have an agenda, an objective, I will uh, schedule a meeting with anyone yeah. and, and keeps the proximity with, with the whole team. Yeah. So that's, that's why I condense a lot of meetings, a lot of talking during, during the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, exactly 6.30, I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And as I said, that that is also part of getting balance in your life, and that means that you'll become more productive. Mm-hmm. You need everyone needs to exercise, and and my latest hack for getting uh, uh, and. Uh, doing exercise every day or at least three times a, a week, I hired a, a, a personal trainer. Not mm-hmm. because I need it, but because first I'm paying and I'm committed because I'm paying. Mm-hmm. And second, because he's waiting for me 6.30, at least three times a week, and I have to go and and so I wouldn't let uh, him waiting for me, and that forces me to uh, to get back to to the gym and to home, and to and that forces me to deliver whatever I needed to deliver within the hours I have in the office. So I go, I exercise, I dine, mm-hmm. I chill out, and. On a perfect day, I will sleep. <laughs> I sleep early, like uh, 10 in the night, so I can have at least uh, seven to eight hours of good sleep. Mm-hmm. And of course, sometimes there's the uh, uh, third time of the game, which is during the night. If, if something has to be done to, to the next day, I'll, uh, I'll work one or two more hours uh, mm-hmm. during the night. I try to avoid that because that uh, prevents me from having a, a good sleep, not only because of the number of hours I'm sleeping, but because I, I go to bed thinking of that thing we're doing because I didn't, mm-hmm. have, I didn't have time to chill out. And, and everyone needs uh, at least six hours of good and uh, sleep so they can be more productive in uh, during the day and that means that you can work i don't know nine ten hours in a day but it still mm-hmm. produce the same amount of work an unbalanced person would take 16 yeah cool sounds like a hell of a routine it's quite uh, simple, actually. But, yeah. but you have to be disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you if if you have this kind of routine, it provides some kind of stability, I suppose, which makes that within the like like I I read uh, once uh, it's it's a writer, but I forgot the name. He says something like that you need to have some routine so the, so that you can be um, more uh, creative in your work because you create some stability through your routine which then makes that you don't have to focus on these things. So then when you're actually creating things, uh, you have the energy and the time to do it. Exactly. I forgot which writer it was. but uh, Yeah, and, and I'm a big believer in having a routine for things not related to work. If yeah. you are not disciplined on having quality time with your family, if mm -hmm. you are not disciplined on having quality time for praying or for meditating or for exercising. Mm -hmm. And you just think that you need spare times and those things will naturally fit on, on that spare time you have. That mm -hmm. won't happen. That won't happen. And, and, and you need all those things to refresh, rebuild, become more creative. Uh, deal, deal better with the stress and the pressure. Yeah, definitely. Ta talking about writing and, and slowly wrapping up as well, uh, what's the latest good book you've read and why did you choose to read it? Well, I, I the latest book was the... What's the name? Joko Willing. Uh, mm -hmm. The discipline playbook, I think, or field playbook of discipline, which is actually a quite simple book, but it's it's uh, related to to some of those things we we were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, how the, uh, discipline the the main statement is discipline means freedom. You know, you can only be free if you're disciplined. Mm -hmm. uh, with things we you try for um yeah i found the title a, of the book it's a discipline equals freedom a field manual by jocko willing right that one that one yeah. that the one uh this is uh it's a good book to understand this concept mm -hmm. cool then uh cool. last question uh if if you were to start over with rd station what would you have done differently? It's the Whoa. most difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is difficult because, of course, I, I would have done a lot of things different because you learn along the mm -hmm. way. Still, those learnings are important. Uh, does that, that cliche, what uh, the, the journey is matter the most? Um, Mm -hmm. It's actually true. I wouldn't learn the things I've learned uh, if I hadn't made those mistakes. But since I already have this knowledge, uh, some of the things that I would have done differently, uh, I would, since day one, uh, try to create this success machine on on a more scalable way, thinking of of it uh, uh, at a replicable operation and thinking more of a funnel. Mm -hmm. I will 
I will not do whatever uh, uh, it need is needed to make a customer successful. I need a very good methodology, a very good uh, uh, machine that mm -hmm. will turn uh, that will make customers successful at a very good conversion rate, and that uh, needs to work well uh, in a well wild fashion. And that's one one thing. So I will think of it of success not as art but as science and mm -hmm. at scale. At yeah. scale. That's one thing. The other or other thing is thinking of our persona. Uh, in the beginning you went to sell to someone who has a pulse and a wallet. Um you still don't know exactly what a, your product will become, who will mm -hmm. uh, be more successful with your product. But uh, it takes you some time to say no to certain kind of requests and to certain kind of, of customers when you start in that way. So right now we have a, uh, a better understanding of, uh, of what our persona is. And moreover, what is the kind of customers that won't be able there's no chance that we'll be successful with with uh, our product which mm -hmm. usually, usually people call the bad fits and in the beginning we we didn't know that but now we do yeah. and we could have uh gone and or grow much faster if, if we had that knowledge in the beginning and we if we had built the software thinking of of that persona and if we have also not tried to pursue or to sell or to make those kind of customers successful. Yeah. So, so those are, are, of course, thinking of on my perspective, the customer success perspective would be the two biggest, most important things I, uh, I would have done differently. Yeah. More processes, more focus and more system. Exactly. Thinking yeah. of of success more like science and a, a scalable machine, and thinking mm -hmm. of our persona and saying no to certain segments that uh, of customer earlier. Yeah, cool. Thank you for your advice, um, and thank you, Guilherme, for being on Founder Coffee. Thank you too. It was nice to to be here and talking to you. That's it for this episode of Founder Coffee. We hope you liked it. Let the world know if you did. Thanks for listening, guys.